This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, a radio show and podcast taking a look at the quirkier people, groups and interests in the region. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Birthright Waikato, which operates as single parent services, has been in the Hamilton area since 1958 and is one of the oldest community social service agencies in the region. For WTS Lockdown Edition, manager Kathleen Miller and youth counsellor Toya Chase shared the story of Birthright and how its team have navigated lockdown. My whakapapa is Tuwhare Tua Ngati Whitakopeka, which is like Taihapi ways. But I was actually born in Australia, so that's where I was brought up till I was about 16. And then moved to New Zealand in a little place called Tupoke and spent a lot of my later teenage years. But I've been in Kirikiriroa probably about since 95. And I've been a counsellor about 21 years, mainly with youth and kids. And I've been working for Birthright, Single Parent Services, um, Link House since 2009. So I've been there a while. So, yeah, so it's a bit about me. Atamari Gary, Atamari Toya, Kath Malatokuingua, Kwa Te Kaifakahari, or Single Parent Services Waikato. Just to keep it brief, I am the manager of the organisation, Single Parent Services Waikato. Um, I have a background in social work and have been involved with whānau led by one Kira families, uh, basically, that have been led by one parent since 2003. Uh, the work is good uh, and it's nice to be here with you this morning. I first entered Birthright um, in 2009. I was actually on a kind of like a committee with for Big Brothers Big Sisters and the manager at that time was on that um, kind of committee and and I was originally representing from a youth service called Whaimanama Youth Connects, but at that time I was like in between work. <laughs> so I was still attending those hui just to keep connected into the community and to be able to support in some way while I was still um, pursuing other work. And then at that time one of the counsellors had passed away from the service and the manager, since I'd gotten to know her in the committee, she said, how do you feel about um, doing some contract work for us? And at that time, it was mainly for adults, but she knew my background was with young people. So she saw it as an opportunity to extend the service out a bit more instead of just working with adults to work with kids directly in terms of counselling as well. So that's how I first connected into the service. And I've been there since. I've loved the mahi. I love the, the, um, the type of people that are involved in it, the service that it provides specifically to single parent family. And yeah, I just enjoy it. I feel like it makes a difference too. Like I like how it's involved in the community and the whānau that come 
often have heard about us and I feel like that um, says something in itself that they feel comfortable coming to our service. So I feel like it really um, does a good job of filling a gap in in the community. Um, I think my journey with this mahi began in 2003, maybe even before then, well, my professional journey anyway. Um, A lot of us have had some connection to single-parent families in some way. Um, And back in 2003, I was approached by the organisation at the time called Link House. Um, I think they were established around 1984. And um, I began working there as a uh, part-time social worker. Uh, Maybe around 2014, I think. Maybe, Toya, you might know more about this. Um, So I, I... uh, spent maybe nine months working with Birthright uh, Waikato as part of the um, eventual merging of the two organisations. Um, and we officially merged in 2015 and became Single Parent Services Waikato. I became the Kai Whakahaere of the organisation two years ago. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's rewarding work and it's a real privilege to be involved um, in, in this line of work that we do with Fano, I could talk from the kids' perspective, uh, I guess, because I mainly work with young people. I do meet parents as well, but I mainly work with young people. So young people come through for a variety of needs. If their parents have separated or uh, for whatever reason, there's a sole caregiver, because that can be a grandparent, it could be other people as well, um, then, you know, for them, they don't have a choice around what that looks like. And so there can be impacts for that of, of having to navigate their way through the breakups in their family or separation or um, disconnection from um, and the changes that brings to a whanau. And so that can often be a referral for that. There might be parents or caregivers who are just worried about their kids. They might have noticed some behaviours have been different or they just want to make sure that they're they've got a space to talk about how it is for them. Um, We also get a lot of referrals, especially around the COVID stuff, has been um, since the school's been at home, if kids have been a bit anxious, young people, then they might find it hard to engage in school again once they have the face-to-face. And so we found that has been a bit of a, um, a trend, you could say, coming through of young people just finding it hard. You know, like um, just seeing others worried about COVID, um, just different challenges around that. So, and I think that's not just been a counselling thing, but the social workers have been um, supporting young people with that as well. So that's been a bit of a, a theme and even just emotions in general. Like generally people, they feel stuff. They don't like how it feels. They're not sure what to do when they feel like that. They're not sure what's normal. Um, you know, what strategies might help with that and, Seeking support for that can be quite common as well. So do you find yourself working with young people as much as you uh, work with um, parents in single-parent uh, single family situations? Because it's challenging on, on both sides, isn't it? Mm, yeah, definitely. And, like, we like to work from a whanau um, perspective. So even if I'm working with a child, that there's a space to work with the wider whānau 
anyway. So that might mean me working with a parent and having conversations with them to support them, maybe connecting them with a social worker within the service or even other services around that um, we're aware of to support them. So we like to support the whole whānau, knowing that, you know, kids aren't in isolation. So, um, and actually to support them the best is actually to support those who are involved in their life as well. And that can include people at school as well. So any kind of connections where that the young people have, it's best practice to actually support all those other systems and have connections and relationship and provide support if needed as well. Because, of course, at the end of the day, that's going to make a difference to that young person. Because you only can do so much when you meet, like you meet maybe an hour, um, and so your work is limited to that time. But if you extend it out and provide other supports for the whānau, then that actually will contribute to the well-being of not just the young person, but the whole whānau as well. So we actually really value that and we invite like often I have conversations with parents as well because sometimes they they just don't know what to do, you know, and they just want some guidance and some advice and some support themselves as well. And so uh, it's helpful to be able to provide something for their needs as well as much as we can. Are there particular stepping stones which young people can find into a uh, receiving help because I mean it would be a watershed moment for young people wouldn't it actually asking for help and actually mm. um yeah actually opening up about the challenges that they're experiencing because um a lot of people would think their challenges are unusual I guess even mm-hmm. though you know yeah, there are yeah. single parent families all over society um facing similar challenges Mm. Yeah, I think it's important that um, when it comes to how people are feeling, it's really valid. Like, you know, like it's time of COVID. Um, people are going to feel anxious. You know, normalising people's response to things can sometimes like alleviate the sense of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not weird and feeling like this or there's something wrong with me and feeling like this. And so normalising some of those things can be really helpful. Um, sometimes... Um, The referrals probably are more often initiated by the parent or caregiver. Um, And so sometimes there might be, the young person might not necessarily want the support. (laughs) So we, you know, invite them to be able to contribute to if they want that or not and what that can look like. And I found that if I often meet with a parent or caregiver with the young person and the young person's like, maybe feeling like they don't have a choice, that I provide them choice and just say, look, you can choose to come here or not. This is what it could look like, but up to it's up to you at the end of the day whether you want to engage. And even if the parent caregiver sees there's a need, counselling is not something to be forced on someone. It's something that is an invitation to someone to engage in. And so I found when you do that with young people more, then they're more likely to engage in it because I've found sometimes even if there's a little bit of them that's a bit curious, you know, can say, oh, hey, let's have one session, see how it goes, or get back to me to see what you decide. And probably more so they will engage. Kids are probably more likely to engage because I think they just like that there's someone there um, who's willing to hear them. And we use that play therapy too. So there's um, it can be a fun space, not just which is therapeutic in itself, as well but teenagers 
might take more time. And I think you've got to give more time because they may have had experiences where trust has been broken and um, allowing them a chance to suss you out and to build trust is actually really important for, for rangatahi to feel like they get a sense of you and that you are someone that is actually someone who will stay in their life for the time needed in order to support them and around the goals that they want. And I think, yeah, teenagers are another kettle of fish, but um, they're actually my favourite <laughs> to, to work with. I love working with young people. Um, yeah, all of what you say, Toy, I think you capture that really, really well. Um, and there are some other components to the organisation as well. Um, we offer practical support. So a lot of our social workers get involved in that. And in Level 4 last year, um, we were supporting a lot of the local food banks by distributing health and hygiene packs. The families that um, engage with the organisation have maybe some barriers with transport or practical needs or just some information and guidance around um, custody, shared care arrangements, uh, budgeting, um, support with moving into employment. And so I think the organisation do really well to work with those underlying feelings that Toya talked about, um, work with bringing whānau together by supporting adults and children, but also adding a practical component. Not everybody wants to talk to a social worker or a counsellor one-on-one. And um, so we often have groups running alongside of that as well. They're, they're not currently happening during Level 3 and probably Level 2. We'll work that out over the next few days. Um, but we have groups that support people into employment, cooking, and just being together where being a single parent is the norm. And I think our organisation are really cool at making that environment happen. And I think the organisation have a really good team that are supportive um, of, of that work. Addressing the elephant in the room, how has Birthright faced the latest lockdown? Because obviously a lot of families would be having tremendous difficulty uh, in their home lives uh, with cabin fever and everything. And But uh, it would be hard for birthright because you can't meet with them face-to-face, meet with the young people face-to-face or, or the parents. Yeah, I guess um, like I'm engaged with some young people during Level 4 um, and they've actually been not too bad in terms of of what's been happening. And I guess because people have been through this to some degree last year. So um, in in terms of using Zoom, phone, utilising other means of doing that, people have become more familiar. Um, I guess it's harder for those who don't have devices and internet, um, you know, their internet might be, might be a bit shaky and things like that, which can be a bit more difficult. But so far... Hasn't been too bad. I guess the preferred, though, is face-to-face for a lot of people. And I guess that's where the difficulty is about how that will look. And level two, um, yeah, there's still some trying to work out what that looks like for us. And we're continuing to have those conversations 
And, you know, because we share spaces, what does that look like when someone else is in the room? What things do we, can we make sure in place to keep everyone safe and things like that? So those conversations continue to happen. But we've got some idea as well because of last year. So we're not like completely on the back foot, you know. In some ways we have things available to us to be able to connect in with clients still and just find creative ways of doing it. Like I send a lot of resources to clients. I just send them a text or an email saying, hey, here are some things that might be available for you to use. And I've gotten feedback that it's been really helpful because it keeps the connection in. It allows things to think about, reflect on. That isn't face-to-face, but is still a form of therapeutic support. Um, And so I found that that's been helpful. Yeah, we we maintain contact by phone and Zoom sessions, and that was very new for us last year. We only did face-to-face, and so, you know, COVID-19 has brought about new changes for us as a team. This is the first time that all of us are experiencing a global pandemic, so we're trying to figure that out together and be safe. Um, We always have the best interest of our uh, families at heart but also the challenges for our team to to practice differently. Um, you know, working online is very common for a lot of people, but it certainly wasn't for us, and trying to navigate that safely. And also, what is that like for, for counsellors and social workers as well who are not set up to work at home, who haven't been in the past but certainly are now, and having to do this work in their homes and not being on site or in the premises um, to, to be able to separate some of that out. So making sure that families are, are cared for, but also that our team are looked after as well while we do this. <clears throat> the community organisations out there are amazing. So so we're really fortunate to be able to connect with them and figure it out together around how, how to keep uh, things ticking along. Uh, last year, we had a lot of <clears throat> families that were contacting us and, and, you know, with with heightened anxiety um, and also um, needing practical support. So we had a lot of that. But this year we we don't seem to be getting a lot of phone calls for that. Is that right, Toya? I'm not Mm. taking that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it'll be interesting um, to kind of hear more about whether that's just, you know, um, we're just better informed, better organised, that it's the – the beginning of how we're building resilience in the community, uh, whether there's um, other supports that are needed and, and do we need to think about that as well? Um, there's We have two youth counsellors. We have two counsellors for mainly adults. We have two social workers who have different roles. Um, what, one is more with the group aspects because we do run groups. We run a coffee group and other aspects, and she oversees that. And now the social worker is more involved with a lot of the intakes of that come through and the practical needs. And while they do a mix of that, she primarily does a lot of, of that stuff as one of the first contacts as well in, in terms of practical needs. Um, we've got our manager, our awesome manager, Kath, as well. She would, she would get all um, embarrassed about me saying this, but she has been doing an awesome job. So when she says about taking care of us, she does take care of us. Um, hence why we're so happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we also have a um, a person who does finances and other administrative um, duties when needed as well. 
Um, so, yeah, we've been in this um, and we've got five students as well who've been doing an awesome job. So they're from Wintech and have been picking up a, a lot of clients and adapting really well too, I must say. And I think so. a lot of the institutes are probably set up um, better to be able to support students in this too. So it sounds like you're a really tight, relatively small team. How many clients? Cat probably knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I guess it depends. Um, uh, over the year, maybe we have approximately 560 families that come through the organisation. Um, but it'll be interesting to compare this year's figures to last year's, uh, given the lockdown as well. You know, we, we had a few months out, really, from seeing people face-to-face. Um, so, yeah, a, a, about that. Um, sometimes maybe, on average, 30 new families a month. That's, and it usually sort of happens around March and then sort of June, July, and then it peaks again towards December and then it drops, yeah. So there's, there's even a pattern and a trend that happens throughout the year. How do you get the time and human resources to actually be able to carry this off? It's Make a lockdown, it's that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Stay at home and just write, 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 write for funding applications <laughs> and, uh, and talk to people like yourself. Yeah, we, yeah we, great, um, great. <laughs> this team, This team is very cool, you know. We look at where we can save costs so we do everything ourselves where we can don't we Toya we cook our own food for for gatherings we don't order out much um we limit the the cleaning to sorting out our own rooms so we we do everything on a budget so we kind of mirror some of what we work with to some extent (laughs) yeah Yeah. lots of people probably give more than they actually you know they give above and beyond really like, I know a lot of the staff just do, I know you do, Kat, but lots of people do lots more than is required just yeah. because they want want to support people. They see the need. They actually have a heart for people, you know, and they respond out of that. You know, we don't turn people away because it's like a money issue or something like that. You know, we have discussions and, you know, we have kōrero around stuff rather than be so blunt about things, you know, because, it, it takes a lot for people to come to our doors, you know. It takes a lot of courage and to, um, yeah, ask for support or see what support's out there, and we want to honour that as well. We want to honour people's stories that people bring as well because they're trusting us with those. And so, you know, we do our best to to honour that space when um, when they come. So just lastly, Kath, um, how can people... Uh, make contact with Birthright and uh, what are the different resources that they can um, tap into with your team? How they make contact with us. So we are contactable by phone, um, email. So, um, and that's been happening throughout the level four, level three, and level two. Um, 8391051. And office at spsw.org.nz. We have a Facebook page. Um, we have a website, spsw.org.nz, um, and an Instagram. I think it's rangatahi.spsw. I know I'd be put on the spot and I was thinking, oh. Why do you not know this? No, I should probably know this. No. <laughs> 
Yeah, so there's always somebody that responds. Um, We follow up on that stuff really quickly um, and we're more than happy to assist. Thanks to Birthright Waikato for being the subjects of this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can like the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, stay safe and be kind. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance, and New Zealand On Air for making the show happen. Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.